Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome back to the Blast Podcast, where we believe movies can be more than just movies. Flipping the script today, I'm your host, Tyler Patterson, and with me is my co-host, Steve Watts. Today, we'll be giving you an emergency podcast. Steve and I typically declare an emergency podcast anytime we have something on the slate for a given week, but then see a movie that just needs to be talked about immediately. In this case, we declared an emergency for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, the seventh installment in this franchise. Since the movie just came out, we'll dedicate the first half of the podcast to non-spoiler discussion and then pivot to spoilers by the end. However, before we dive into movie specifics, it is standard practice on the Blast podcast to kick this off with our watches of the week. Steve, please walk us through your gauntlet. So, uh... First thing I want to say is I I lost. Um, If you remember last week, you and I made a little wager where if I watched less than 14 movies this week, I uh, would have to rewatch one of my favorite films that will undoubtedly send me into a pit of depression, an elephant sitting still. Um, So that'll be coming next week. Uh, (laughs) That said, um, I did did still get... uh, a solid 10 movies in. Um, I started off the week with Final Exam, which is just kind of a corny 80s slasher, but I was kind of surprised by how well it's aged in comparison to a lot of the slashers from that era. I felt like it was fairly good, actually. Like, I, I ended up having a good time, and I was surprised by kind of how coherent the whole thing felt. Um, just, Just not something you expect from an 80s slasher, you know? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that will play, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Followed that up with Insidious, Insidious Chapter 2, and Insidious Chapter 3, which I'm I'm very disappointed. Morgan and I just couldn't make it happen to get to the red door. Uh, We planned on skipping The Last Key because I I only saw that movie once, and I hated it so much. Uh, But we got through all three chapters and then just fumbled the bag on the last day she was here. So we're going to... I think we're going to try and head out and see this tomorrow, but I've heard some mixed reviews. Yeah, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole, but spoilers for our audience. We typically or we had planned on doing a Red Door pod. That was on the slate, I believe. And yeah. it's kind of just got lost away in the ether, and I'm guessing some of the reviews have something to do with this. We we have to talk about it at some point. Yeah, uh, if you want to try and catch it sometime this week, maybe we can devote a little like 10-minute segment at the beginning of our next pod to just talking through some of our thoughts on it. Because I know this franchise is fairly special to me. I don't know if you have the same connection with it. Um, I have, I think the best way I could put it is I have really good blast stories for this franchise. I don't necessarily love the movies. I just have great memories with them. Okay. That's fair. Um, I thought one and two were amazing. Three kind of dropped the ball, but, you know. Uh, Followed that off uh, with Scott Pilgrim and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I watched both of these on my birthday with uh, a few of my friends and Morgan around, um, and it was was a great time. Uh, Everybody, we started Bill and Ted at, I want to say, one in the morning, so I I was the only (laughs) only person who actually watched it. Uh, everybody was asleep within the first 10 minutes, but that movie just has such a charm to it. Uh, I think, have, have you seen this one? No, I haven't, man. Dude, it is probably Keanu's most versatile performance. Um, 
it's awesome none of it makes any fucking sense but it's still just so hilariously funny um follow that up with the movie that i watched I, I started this at midnight on my birthday and i ended up finishing it um uh, the next day just because it's so long Zack snyder's justice league which there will Ooh. be a podcast coming soon about so i will save all of my thoughts for that and then uh yesterday i sat down and i said you know what i've got 12 hours to kill i'm gonna i'm gonna sit through all the mission impossibles and I watched Mission Impossible 1, and then uh, some extraneous circumstances interfered, and I couldn't get, couldn't get through all of them in one night. And I started Ghost Protocol, I started getting into it, and then I just kind of fell apart. I don't know, I, I, I couldn't finish it off. So, a disappointing one wow. for sure. I'm, di- I'm disappointed in you. That's, that's your superpower, staying up in the middle of the night. I don't know. It was uh not really about that but (laughs) um i'm sure no worries then i watched dead reckoning part one obviously since we are doing this pod and i finished it off with a movie that's pretty special um i watched driving away which is a 15 minute short film that is written by me and is finally finished by uh wesleyan's student film department and it is surreal to see that happen. So I'm glad that you you ended it with this. Now, we'll dive into this with CSJL, but we've talked about a couple like pinpoints that have created the origin of, of Blast and our friendship. I feel that you writing the script and walking me through the steps and all of your workshops for this story is something like a core memory of our friendship for me and like I was watching it on the way home from work today and it just put the biggest smile on my face to see it come to life I can't imagine what it was like for you dude it's so bizarre um it's it's weird because like there are obviously a lot of things that I wish could have been done better but I mean it's a student film so they couldn't be and there's some choices that were made that I don't really know how to feel about and there are some choices that are that were made that I loved um but sitting there and watching it it just felt so surreal that I actually like made something it it made me happy so I I would hope that it made you even happier and I'm, I'm very proud of you thank so, you congratulations congratulations oh, I appreciate so, that. now that you've wrapped up your gauntlet on a very high note I will give you my short recap of my other watches aside from driving away. I got to go to the theater, so I drove home. I think last Thursday surprised my family. I got off work early, so figured, you know what? I'll go see the guys. I'll go see my family. Texted my brother, hey, um, I'm going to be in town. Do you want to go see Across the Spider-Verse with me? He had already seen it, but... You know, he's been talking about Miguel O'Hara and like, gosh, there was just something about this movie. I want to go see it again before it leaves theaters. So this w- this used to be our thing. We used to always go see Marvel movies together. Like from when he was very little, I have like selfies of us waiting in line at NCG back before you could reserve seats. That's awesome. I, just like a lot of a lot of great memories. So the two of us are just ear to ear walking into the theater, sit down, packed house for spider-verse what a month month and a half yeah so cool 
we sit down, uh, very few trailers fire up, and you know we get through the cold opening, and in comes Miguel's entrance into the movie, where it's shot of him taking out the vulture, shot yeah. of Gwen's face, shot of Miguel, and the two of us just look at each other, grin, nod, and keep watching, don't say a single word the rest of the movie, and afterwards he said gosh that went from like an 8 out of 10 to an 11 this was perfect awesome yeah just great great watch it was great to watch a movie with my brother in the theaters again so that was special cap that off real quick back home real quick sorry to interrupt you but i had two things that i haven't talked about on uh this pod about across the spider-verse that i did want to bring up First off, did you notice Miguel O'Hara is, like, chilling through the entire opening segment of, like, Gwen's memories? No. What do you oh, mean? He's You can see him in the background just, like, observing a number of times. In, in what sense? Like, explain the scene. Um, like, she is going and doing her, like, drum solo or whatever and you get like that montage of like everything that happened in the last movie kind of and he's sitting there and like watching all of it unfold it's a really cool thing um during the opening or later on in the movie during the like first three minutes huh i did not catch that another reason to go see it in the theater yeah you'll have to you'll have to look out for that the other one is just a visual gag that i don't think has been talked about enough did you catch at some point they're swinging in front of a billboard and you can see on the billboard it says soda it's a generic brand no that made me cackle out loud in the theater <laughs> i didn't see the little tagline underneath but i oh noticed that it, it's like a it's like a coca-cola bottle yeah but it's a soda right yeah, yeah. it's awesome that's cool all right yeah, well, continue. I, 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 <laughs> yeah sorry uh last point for me then we'll move on i think miguel o'hara is like a top three uh, superhero entrance in a movie absolutely um I, that's all right we'll, we'll go down we'll we'll make that list another day but my other watch also since we have a pod cooking up for this one was Zack snyder's justice league another oh, yeah. great watch for me more so the build-up rather than the watch but my roommate and i we did a like a snyder trilogy watch like six months ago we had never seen the movies and he's very picky about his movies i've told you before so yeah when he loves something it just it you just feel the energy it's great he loved man of steel loved batman vs superman even more and then just fucking love snyder cut his brother comes into town he's like i have to show you this movie charlie so then the three of us sit down and watch it and typically his brother loves to be on his phone all the time and when we start the movie his brother's on his phone uh-huh. And my roommate just shut it down immediately. Like, dude, no, this is Snyder Cut. Put your phone down. Put it on the floor. We're locking in. That's awesome. And we locked in. Great watch. Perfect. Um, that's a that's a wa- perfect watch. Yeah. Just z- like dial in for four hours and then talk about it after. And yeah. I'll leave it at that because we have plenty to say in our upcoming podcast. So yeah. stay tuned for that. That's going to be a, a gauntlet. <laughs> I'm so ready for it. It's it's years in the making. Oh, yeah. Years in the making. Oh, yeah. So before we talk, you know, movie details, another one of the staples on this podcast is going through the theater experience. But 
I, I kind of want to talk about the blast experience where it's not just the, the actual like movie watching in the theater. You know, it's it's the drive there, it's the drive back, it's it's the day. So, Steve, can you tell me about your dead reckoning day? You're gonna die laughing at this because this is probably the number one most insane movie watching experience of my life. Um, so. I woke up today at five in the morning to go golf with my boys and I was super excited. I kept waking up in the middle of the night though. And I, I'm hearing this rain just pounding my window. I'm like, there's no way we're actually golfing. So we get there, walk into the clubhouse. Guy just says, course closed, no exceptions, (laughs) turns us away. So, So we're like, damn, um, kill the day. But, uh, it's, it's a rainy day, so it's perfect to go to the theater and relax and have a great time watching a, watching an amazing movie like Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, right? We decided to go to a 320 movie at NCG's Extreme Theater, which is their huge one. And um, we get there at exactly 320. We, we buy the tickets, and... We walk over to the theater. I don't even bother checking the ticket because, you know, I mean, I I know where the big one is, you know? (laughs) So we walk in and wait a minute. This is (laughs) this movie's already started. There's no way they didn't show any trailers. Um, So we're freaking out. We're like, what the hell happened? We go outside back to the hallway, read our ticket, and we see it's a four o'clock ticket for a theater all the way all the way across the like building and we're like what the hell happened so we check and we realize nope we were supposed to go to the 320 movie at kendall 11 oh my gosh give me a break who bought the tickets uh well we just bought them in person like we didn't (laughs) what but you were at ncg yeah we went to ncg and we bought them from the box office like we didn't order ahead and, but I don't get it. How do, how were the tickets we booked had, for Kendall? No, we we didn't book the tickets. We had decided to go to the 320 movie. We thought we were looking at NCG so, Showtime. Oh, we were looking my at gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, Ouch. So we're kicking ourselves. Now we have 40 minutes to kill in the theater. Um, and both of our phones are at, like, 5% battery. So we just have no idea what we're going to do. And... The only upside of this is that my buddy, uh, I, we had three people hanging out today. The third guy had work at a softball field, and he couldn't tell if it was going to get called off or not, and they would tell him at 3.30. So he's stoked because he's like, oh, sweet, I get to like make it on time now. This is awesome. So he comes. He joins us in the theater like 20 minutes early because he felt bad, <laughs> and this theater is dead empty. It's just the three of us the entire time. And How is it possible? I know. But we get halfway through, and we hear tornado sirens start to ring out. And we're like, no fucking way. We thought it was in the movie at first because they were so loud. Like, that place must be right next door to NCG. And we just, like, didn't know what to do. We thought it was just in the movie. Then the lights turn on and somebody comes in and says, hey, you got to go to the lobby until the sirens turn off. Um, and we're like, damn it. We're right in the middle of the movie. We're at like a meaty part. And <clears throat> they give us a free ticket and they tell us to go home because we've waited for 20 minutes and they're shutting down all these showings. 
and we decide to <laughs> sneak back into the theater. And so we walk down the hallway, we, we duck in. The One of my friends goes home, the other one stays with me. And we're sitting there in the seats closest to the door, ready to just get kicked out at any second. And the lights are still on, so you can't really make out much of the movie, but you can hear it and you can kind of see what's going on. And then this kid who's working at the theater comes by. He looks in and sees we're in there. And I, I was sure that he was going to say, like, hey, guys, sorry, you got to go. Like, it's, I got to clean the theater because he's got a broom and a pan in hand. And instead he just goes, what are you guys watching? We say, Mission Impossible. And he just closes the door and shuts off the lights and lets us get back to the movie. <laughs> Employee of the year, man. I read that and just immediately started to smile. That kid is awesome. Dude, that is how every movie theater employee should be. I I love that guy so much. I wish I could tip him. You're watching Dead Reckoning? Give me one second. <laughs> That's perfect, man. And definitely tops my story. But you're going to like it. And there's a reason I left it out of the notes. Yeah. Because there's an important element of this Dead Reckoning day. So... I was set to see it tonight at the Avalon. This is the theater I've been hyping up for weeks now, talking about, oh, it's you know the old opera house. They turned into an IMAX theater. And I was so adamant on seeing it in IMAX. I'm seeing it with my roommate, who has become the biggest MI fan. Fallout's one of his favorite movies. He's even more stoked than I am. So I wanted him to have the perfect viewing experience. I'm saying, you know what? We're not going to go... Tuesday, we'll go Wednesday at the Avalon because that's the first day they're showing. Tuesday rolls around. We're both like looking at each other like we can't. We can't wait another day. We have to find an IMAX theater showing on a Tuesday near Milwaukee. The only theater that had an IMAX showing. Do you want to know or do you want to take a guess on where I had to go? AMC. AMC. <laughs> it, it pained me so much to have to log in. Log into AMC and book tickets through them. For everyone listening, I have a huge vendetta against AMC. It's almost like when people have like a huge vendetta against like corporate America and capitalism. I just can't stand. This is the only big business that just really grinds my gears. I can't stand <laughs> AMC. But I will say, this was a phenomenal theater. Gorgeous. It's in the mall, um, the Mayfair Mall, close to Milwaukee. So I was worried it was going to be a complete dump. I was so wrong. The IMAX theater was gorgeous and packed house the only kicker was there was no trailers so that was kind of a bummer like That's had to speed run to, yeah had to speed run to the bathroom while nicole kidman was talking i'm like oh my gosh the movie's already starting so people were rolling in as the opening scene started but once everyone got settled everyone was just dialed in everyone there is a movie dork it's opening night it's at, it's in an imax theater no one's messing around and i think that was my favorite part so just perfect theater experience for the perfect theater movie so i have a quick question for you do you know why this movie came out on a tuesday you know what's funny i feel like we were just talking about this how they keep pushing up the movie <laughs> release dates and it can't yeah. be good for like profits because it it's always be. it's like discount day yeah so, I don't know. I, I don't know. I was I was shocked when you said like, "Oh, well, can you just see it Wednesday because I I can't pod tomorrow." And I I was like, "Wait, it's out on Wednesday?" <laughs> Dude, I th there were showings on Monday. Monday Seriously? night. Wow. Yeah. 
maybe TC just wanted to like go for volume shooting and get as many people like on discount day. Yeah, that's. I'm trying to think, or like, you know, there was like a big issue with, you know, Oppenheimer coming out and the battle for the IMAX screen. So maybe he wanted to get a couple more days in. I yeah. think that could be it too. Yeah, and that kind of leads me into something I wanted to talk about in the non-spoiler discussion, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to kind of segue there? Yeah, so really this is just an overarching thought. It Parts of this movie made me feel incredibly sad. And it is because before the movie started, I don't know if they did this at your AMC, but there was a special message from Tom Cruise, and he went on his thing and said, like, I, we make these movies for you guys to see them on the big screen. And... Like, obviously, you know that, and so do I, and and we go and support our theaters as much as we possibly can, but the whole time I was watching this, it, I kind of just felt like this is Tom Cruise hanging on to a thing of the past, you know? And I felt that way in Indy a little bit. Um, you see Harrison Ford, he's 80 years old, like, why can't he just let this role go, you know? And... This one, though, especially for me, really, I don't know, it just really hit me. I felt really bad for him because he's hes fighting as hard as he possibly can to bring everybody into theaters. And I was in a theater with three people on the second day this movie came out. Yeah, i, I that does break my heart, too. I would also push back, you know, you did see it Wednesday three o'clock during the rainstorm (laughs) four o'clock my mistake um because my theater was packed man and you know social media is always raving about tc he's the only like theater king right now he just did a great job with maverick obviously you feel bad for him but it's not like he's failing i mean his movies are killing it right now he's not but i guess i guess what also made me sad is what happens when he's too old to do this right it, he is the last of a dying breed that's what's killer yeah now i hope that in his his journey towards like becoming something more and you know revitalizing the theater experience he also needs to learn to teach you know his like his mentees the ways like hey when i'm gone i have someone to pick up the torch and you see that with some of like the smaller characters in this movie that he's like handpicked from his other movies. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that he's gonna start teaching some of his younger like cast and crew how to do what he's doing. I, I think that he cares about movies that much, and I-, I hope that's the case. And I hope that you know theater goers will buy into that. But I think that he will make that attempt. I hope so. I hope so. I- I'd love to see him get behind the director's chair sometime in the next couple of years. I could totally see it happening. I mean, I thought it was really cool. This is not a spoiler. At you know, during the opening credits, one of the like things said a Tom Cruise production. Yeah. Like he he had his paws all over this bad boy, man. Oh yeah. And I'm glad you brought this up. It just puts the biggest smile on my face watching this movie, knowing that he is just working night and day, twenty four seven, unironically, to make this the perfect theater experience and that's exactly like what we talk about when we say movies can be more he's crafting those types of movies those those memories like 
he wants you to go see Dead Reckoning and remember Dead Reckoning Day, the the theater yeah. experience of yeah. Dead Reckoning. So I, yeah, Tom, it, Tom I mean, Cruise is Harvey Dent and Chris Nolan is Batman. <laughs> <laughs> in in what sense? In the sense that Tom Cruise is the poster child for all this, and uh, in reality, Chris Nolan is still pulling all the strings to get people in the theater too. It's those yeah. two against the world, right? Yeah, maybe uh, Villeneuve will make his make his dance too. I think I think there's still some Villeneuve fans that will make it to the theaters, right? Dune Part Two looks phenomenal. It looks so good, and Dune Part Two is going to come up in this discussion in a little bit, and we'll we'll dive into okay. that, I'm sure. But before we move on from the TC cruise control hype train, I do want to make a couple more points. You know, I think we've made this clear, but it's so cool that he's found his his niche or almost his like passion, his fire at the age of 60. I think that's super cool. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, he had his Oscar run, like he was chasing the Oscars. He's in great movies like Rain Man, A Few Good Men. You know, he did the Martin Scorsese movie, A Color of Money. You know, he, he's been funny guy in Risky Business, Tropic Thunder. He's, he's pivoted to all these different roles. And now, in the later stages of his career, has found this just this pocket of, of pure theater entertainment joy. And just is riding this wave for as long as he can. And you can tell he just, he loves it as mm-hmm. much as, as we love it. And I think that's super cool. Yeah, I I love that take. Um and it's it's awesome to see him kind of grow into that role of uh, of that kind of poster child for this type of movie, you know? Yeah. And you know, I just mentioned he's he's been all over the place as far as acting career. And when I like measure how good or how talented an actor is, I try to avoid the the, the typecast people, right? I I really admire people like Bob De Niro and Jack Nicholas Cage. Oh, uh. <laughs> yeah, him too. And just like the way they bounce between genres and, and like aren't afraid to play a smaller role and, and can fit in somewhere. Like Bob De Niro can go do Meet the Parents or go be the bus driver in a Bronx Tale. Mm-hmm. Jack Nicholson can you know play the Joker, but also you know do ah oh, man, what's that movie? As good as it gets. Yeah. Or like, you know, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He, he's all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I think that TC, he did all of his, like, heavy lifting at a younger age and, and showed his acting chops. You know, he showed his comedic side. And now he's showing that he's the biggest action star in the world. Have we seen a more versatile actor I, ever? I, I don't know if versatile is necessarily the word you're looking for. Um, just because... He does it all? He I, okay, well, I think the point you just made, though, is that he did it all. Now he's pretty much just that action star. Uh, like, you look at his recent filmography of Jack Reacher, Oblivion, Edge of Tomorrow, Rogue Nation, Jack Reacher 2, The Mummy, weirdly, um, <laughs> Fallout, Maverick, mess. Dead Reckoning. Like, you, he's kind of fallen into the typecast lately, but I think he could still turn it on if he wants to. But right now, his mission, like you said, is to bring people into theaters so he doesn't have to be a versatile actor right now. Yeah. I am curious to see if he'll make that, that pivot back in the later stages of his career when he's no longer an action star. Will he go do an Anthony Hopkins Oscar chase? 
Like, will will he try and make the bounce back to being Oscar guy? I just don't know if he can, honestly. Like, once he gets this old, and now that he's establishing... So, I read off his filmography since 2012. Like, since... it's It's been a solid 11 years since he's done one of those roles. I'm sure he's talented enough to, but I don't know if us as audiences would be forgiving enough to see him in that role i think that's a that's a great point you know he'll he'll be past it we can only see him as as ethan hunt or just Mm -hmm. as action star yeah i get it you know i think that's a a great way to cap it off you know we we clearly love tc we love what he's doing for movies oh yeah and it seems as if we we both seem to really enjoy dead reckoning Mm -hmm. and i'd kind of like to kick off why that is in non-spoiler fashion and I have loved the last three movies. When I say that, I mean Ghost Protocol, um, Fallout, Rogue Nation, yeah. and Fallout. Now, what Dead Reckoning does so well is blend the the best concepts of the best MI movies. You have three different subgenres in this movie, in my opinion. You have the the crazy action for the Fallout truthers. You have the espionage, slow burn scenes for the MI1 truthers. You have the cerebral side of this movie for the Rogue Nation truthers. And it blends all of those those elements into one movie. And I found that super refreshing and honestly something I wanted. I was worried going into this movie it was just going to be Fallout Round 2 because, you know, they had to top Fallout. Yeah. No, we're, we're going to pivot and do something completely different. I thought that was brilliant. I, I I loved it. Um, I obviously really enjoyed Fallout as well, but I do think this is much better. Um, I did have one question for you though about the the espionage slow burn parts, and you know I am an MI one truther, and I love this stuff. But I just want your opinion. What do you think of all the usage of masks throughout this saga? <laughs> oh man, you don't love it. I think it's like the greatest trope ever. It puts the biggest smile on my face. I think it's funny. Um, I just wanted to know your take, honestly. Like, it doesn't bug me too much. I think it's a little... <laughs> I, I just becomes, find it funny. Here's my thing. It's become so bizarre, but it's also become like a linchpin, a staple of this franchise. It would be weird if it wasn't in it. It's like a, it's like the Star Wars quote where I, I've got a bad feeling about this. Mm-hmm. Like... I, I think there needs to be at least one mask scene that completely fools me. I I, I think it's essential. Yeah, that's that's fair. I did think, are are the masks in this like legitimately practical? Because there are a few times where I was like, I think he's like actually wearing a mask right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I I don't know. I, I doubt it. I really doubt it. I, I think there was a good blend of of mask and no mask, and I'm yeah, sure we can yeah. talk about that later. Absolutely. But... Um, and I don't mean that when I say espionage, slow burn stuff. I'm, I'm talking the slow dialogue scenes, the okay. tension building. Yeah. You know, the, there's a great scene in an airport that yes. has, has a ton of tension. That's what I was I, thinking I think, of, too. I, I think there are there's just a great blend of all of these different elements that people come to an MI movie for. And that's what I was going for. Like, you, I know you love MI1. So mm-hmm. I knew you were going to love this movie because... They have a lot of like tie-ins to MI1. Yeah. You know, my roommate loves Fallout. I knew he was going to love this because they're doubling down on the action. I love Rogue Nation. 
seeing some of the cerebral elements of Ethan Hunt coming back. That is right up my alley. So, again, just a mix of all the great elements. That's why I love Dead Reckoning. Uh, I, I love that take. Um, I, I did want to ask, though, do you have like a favorite action scene without spoiling anything from this movie? Yeah, I, I've been bouncing back and forth. It's not my favorite scene in the movie, but my favorite action scene in particular is a car chase without giving anything away. It's just a very extended car chase that somehow topped a chase in fallout i couldn't believe it yeah i i can't wait to dive into that um i i personally loved the train sequence that's all i'll say yeah how can you not we'll we'll get we'll get to all that in spoiler talk but i mentioned that my favorite scenes in this movie weren't necessarily action scenes which Mm -hmm. was super refreshing i you know i come out of fallout and i like all of my favorite scenes that I come back to are the the action set pieces, like the the rooftop chase, him yeah. climbing onto the helicopter by rope, him falling off the helicopter and climbing back up. <laughs> no, those are my favorite moments. But in this, you know, I come back to, without giving anything away, the airport scene, a, yep. a scene in a club. That these are my favorite scenes, and those are my favorite types of MI moments, and I'm glad they're in the movie. I agree. I I also wanted to call out, I mentioned earlier that, you know, Tom Cruise has is, is plugged his guys all over this movie, and I just want to say, this cast is loaded with the most, oh, it's that guy, but I don't know his name. There yeah. are so many of those. The yeah. Joey Pants. <laughs> yeah, literally, like the rewatchables Joey Pants guy. There, there are too many. I, I caught a couple guys from Maverick, like me and my roommate were like elbowing each other, do we know him? Um you know, a lot of them are in the trailer, so I don't think it's giving anything away. But like Princess Bride's in here. Mm-hmm. We've got um, one of the pilots from Maverick. The the boat captain in Wolf of Wall Street um, is like a CIA agent. There's just a lot of like small uh, characters in other movies here. I thought yeah. that was super cool. I, Everyone I, wants to be in these movies. Yeah, no, I mean, who wouldn't want to work with Tom Cruise right now? Right. You know a lot of these great cameos and not even cameos smaller roles but they don't outshine our main crew once again the core four of benji luther ilsa and ethan they just i love this crew together and i'm so glad we got that again and i think that from five on they have found the the winning formula of a team with that with that crew yeah i i agree i had this discussion with uh, my friends when we were watching though who's your favorite of the crew besides ethan it has to be benji right really i'm a luther yeah, guy I, lo- I love yeah luther. i my my roommate's a big big luther guy i uh in, in later movies i i haven't been as big of a fan early am i i love bing rames but i i've really grown to love benji interesting that's yeah. a fair take simon Pegg is awesome I love the whole crew, though. I yeah. think Elsa was the like the most refreshing thing this franchise needed when she was implemented and introduced in Rogue Nation. I thought mm-hmm. she was great. So every time I see Rebecca Ferguson, I get pumped. She's great. She's but yeah. I will say, you know, I love this crew, but Haley Atwell really did a number here. She shined, and her role is Grace. Yeah. Uh, can we just say what I'm sure you and I are both thinking right now? This should have been Helena in Indiana Jones. 
Oh, right? thank you, man. <laughs> thank you. And I just can't believe that this this woman was in the MCU for 10 plus years and had such a stale character. I'm not, you know, super stoic and badass, whatever, but they wasted away a very charismatic, talented actress for too long. She's great in this movie. Yeah, she's and, she's incredible. She was stealing pretty much every scene for me. And, you know, this is weird to think about since he's a grandpa, but I thought that he, uh, her and Cruz had great chemistry in their scenes together. Yeah. I, yeah, so I agree. I I thought she was great in the action scenes. I thought she was funny. Comedic timing was right. Her scenes with with Ethan are good. So glad to see Atwell as the new uh, new uh, partner, new yeah. partner in crime here. Yeah, and, and then speaking of um, characters from the MCU, you want to talk about Mantis real quick, Palm Clemente. She was my favorite of the two henchmen or like side villains here. She plays the perfect psycho. Yeah, dude, She's I great. loved her. I loved her so much. I thought she like just the entire movie, you could tell that like she was just having so much fun shooting every scene in this. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that that put the biggest smile on my face. She was awesome. Yeah. Not to say that Dell from Ozark, I do not know his name. I just know him as handsome guy from Netflix show. But <laughs> He, I thought, you know, he did his job. He's he's a, a good villain, but I, I really enjoyed Pom Clementif here as whatever her name is, just psycho assassin. I agree. Working for the main villain that, in my opinion, is at least could be after part two my favorite villain in this franchise. I would still give that to Solomon Lane and Rogue Nation. But I really like what they're doing with the main villain in this movie. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I loved him, and I agree. He is one of my favorites already, just because he kind of has, without spoiling anything, like this this reputation and this mythology around him that kind of reminded me of John Wick. Um, if you do, you get that at all? Yeah, but we might be thinking of two different people here so we'll save it for spoiler discussion i'm i'm referring to you know the, the entity as, oh, as a villain okay del from del from ozark is the villain gabriel okay fair enough i but i, re- I really like gabriel villain. yeah okay. i really i really like i like gabriel fair point um all right go ahead take it away <laughs> no and i i just don't want to give anything away yet we'll 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 bunker down because it's yeah. not in the trailers. No. They don't reveal, you know, the the, the higher power here at play. But right. That villain is the most compelling, in my opinion. That's I I actually do really like that take. That is not where I saw you really going. Um, but but I love the take, and I can't wait to dive into it more in spoiler territory. Okay, good. Then we'll leave it there. We'll we'll keep this rolling. I, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you like that. So good deal. Now, another thing with these MI movies in the past is a lot of people make the joke that you just go turn your brain off and have a good time. You don't exactly know what's going on. What exactly is the plot? What is the IMF doing here? What, what's the objective? This was the first time I was watching a, a, an MI movie and completely understood the plot. I completely understood the mission at all times. Would you agree? Absolutely, yeah. This is this is the anti-Indiana Jones 5, where I actually did understand <laughs> what was going on. This stole from Raiders what Dial of Destiny stole from Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> right, man. They, they just got it right. And yeah. 
it's just that that made that was a very nice thing that they incorporated i i think that tc again just is always listening to the fans whether it's good or bad he he knows what to double down on he knows what to improve upon that was a big element that i enjoyed and what makes this one of the better mi movies i agree i agree it's just you know fundamentally sound action movie Mm -hmm. no other way to put it the summer blockbuster is back yeah Amen. I mean, it was back, but you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick. Now, after watching this movie and loving it so much, would you consider believing in TC and supporting Top Gun Maverick? So the difference is I loved Mission Impossible 1, and I've been like an avid watcher of the franchise. I just really disliked Top Gun, so I don't I don't see <sighs> any need to go watch the sequel. I'm sorry. We've had this argument one too many times, but you know that I don't like Top Gun 1, and I love Maverick. And I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'll leave it alone. I'll Perfect. leave it alone. Thank you. The, la- the last non-spoiler thing I want to talk about is the ending, funny enough. I won't give it away, but I really liked how they ended this movie. It was a satisfying conclusion. It had its own arc, complete arc, but also gives us something to look forward to for part two. I really enjoyed that. I agree. Uh, my only complaint is I'm ready for part two right now. I would have sat there and watched five hours of this movie and been just fine. Amen. I mean, it was long, but like you said, I was ready to just, I couldn't believe it was over. That was one of the faster two hour, 45 minute movies I've seen in a while. I agree. I, I am hoping that they bring this back into theaters before dead reckoning part two comes back i'm sure tc will find a way to make it happen Ooh, i like that i really like that i could see it <laughs> yeah i could see that especially after you know the re-releases of like endgame and avatar mm-hmm. maybe he'll take note of that i'd lo- cool. I'd, I'd just love to see i would if if he put this out again a week before dead reckoning part two i would go and see it maybe twice oh yeah i you know what before we wrap this up, how many times do you plan on seeing Dead Reckoning in the theaters? Like, I, I called my mom right after. was like, hey, date night on Saturday. We're going to see this movie. Let's meet halfway. And she was all in. So I'm super pumped. I'll probably go before that again. But You know, uh, I'm not sure I see this one again, sadly. Um, Whoa. This time, yeah. I, I loved it. I think I got everything from it, though, the first time. I don't know if I need to see this again in theaters, uh, like, right this minute, especially with Barbenheimer coming out next weekend. Yeah, balling on a budget, man. Got to be yeah. t- Got to be careful. Mm-hmm. I hear you. No worries there. So for everyone listening, we're, we're about to dive into spoilers. We're going to do, you know, a scene-by-scene breakdown. If you haven't seen the movie, please go see this movie. Please go see it on the biggest screen you can. It was awesome. It was an awesome experience. After you've seen the movie, come back, dial in, and listen to this scene breakdown. But it's time to dive in here. And I think we just start right off the rip, opening submarine scene, transitions to Cruz getting his mission from Kittredge, transitions to desert scene. What the fuck is going on here? Dude, yeah. Lots of moving pieces, lots of questions. Wh- what are we doing here? I was so it was like a mini anxiety attack. I wasn't sure what was happening. 
Did no, you have the same is, experience? It's just disorienting in every way. I, t- I still don't know if I completely understand uh, much of this like first 10 to 15 minutes. And that's like really my only gripe with the movie is <laughs> it's, it's pretty out there. That said, though, I, I loved it. it. It really did just throw you into the action and let you just it, it trusts its audience to just trust the filmmaker to explain it later which is cool. yes that was nice and at first you know it's been a while since like i don't think maybe a, maybe not even in an mi movie has it done that where it sets something up and trust the audience to count on the directors to explain that at some point in the story and it does it comes back in late third act they explain what happened with that submarine scene but wow you're thrown right into the mix you mm-hmm. jump to the desert like, why is Elsa here? Like, what what are we doing here? Holy shit, Elsa's dead. She can't really be dead, but at the time, I'm thinking, well, I mean, Doom Part Two is coming out. Maybe Rebecca Ferguson needed to get written out of the, the story. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But I just couldn't believe what was going on. It all happened so fast. We we cut to the CIA meeting right after her her alleged death. Like, what are we doing here? You uh okay so first off I would like to say I did not buy for a second that she died. Um I knew for sure it was a fake out. But the CIA meeting I again saw what was coming and that's where I really thought No way. He did not the the face of the guy did not move a single time and that's when I thought maybe this mask is practical. Like I think I think Tom Cruise is actually in a mask and sitting here and just not speaking because he knows once his lips moves, he's screwed. Mm, maybe. I, you know, did you watch the trailers for this movie? Uh, I did not, no. Okay, so I'm a psychopath, and one of my favorite things to do is watch and listen to my favorite trailers, you know, five times a day. And I... I think I watched the Dead Reckoning trailer, the teaser, and the official trailer once a day, every day for the last three months. And in the trailers, the way it's portrayed is that character mm-hmm. is working for the bad guys. Yeah, it's like it's supposed to be like Gabriel, and he has the mask on, and he kills everyone, including Kittredge. That's what it looks like in the trailers. Mm. So it's there's that build up, and I was expecting it to be the the entity taking out the cia taking out kittredge and like gonna frame hunt and then it turns out that it's hunt so that was a great play on all the dorks that mm-hmm. were so glued to the trailer that was I a see. great way to subvert expectations yeah it, it it didn't get me also though i was ready to strangle my friend that i was seeing this with because he kept on saying Dude, nobody notices that this guy's in here. Like, he kept on just saying, like, why? Like, he thought that, like, this guy was, like, just standing there, like, as a villain, like, clear and obvious as day. And I was like, you fucking dumbass. Like, he is clearly supposed to be at the meeting. The guy checks his watch because he knows he's late. Like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. I should have known from the rip when they were showing that guy, like, going through the, the body, like, schematic scan mm-hmm. that it was ethan they do this exact bit in rogue nation they just don't show the explanation of how they do it they just they just cut right to it so i don't know i i love the whole he's got the mask 
you know that reveal was great like i like smile on my face but i also love that he doubled up on the mask too to frame kittredge i thought that, that was a great joke that was really cool just like i felt the momentum just really picking up here in this scene like ethan's dialed in he's going rogue again shocker he's against the entire world trying to find this key and he somehow escapes the the cia headquarters on his own just cut to the credit scene and we are just firing on all cylinders i was so happy dude yeah i i have one more thing to say about uh the cia meeting and it's that you mentioned that princess bride guy is in this I did not even know that he was the Princess Bride guy. You know what I know him from? Saw? No. Have you, well, yes, but no. Um, have you ever watched the TV show Psych? No. What? <laughs> on the TV show, it's it's one of my favorite shows of all time. It went on for like nine seasons. They're like three movies deep right now. But he's a recurring side character every like like once every season where he plays like just the coolest man on earth who's like an international art thief. And I was like, oh, my God, it's fucking Pierre Despereaux. <laughs> and You're kidding. No, I'm, I'm, I felt so stupid when I looked at his cast and I realized, oh, it's the same guy as Princess Bride and Saw he's oh that's killer i'm glad you i'm glad you admitted that but wow dude give me a break but also um we have one of the like commanding officers um you haven't seen top gun maverick ah um just another maverick guy in the scene that was a great cameo um i don't know who i don't know the actor's name so i'm not even gonna pretend like i do quick clarifying question is so I didn't get to rewatch every Mission Impossible before this, but I did do some research on like what I needed to know. Kittredge is not in any of the others besides number one, is he? It's just one. He's okay. just in one. Yeah, because that kind of puzzled me then why he was all of a sudden back and here and stuff, and his character in general puzzles me, but we can talk about that later. Sure. I mean, I'm sure that they're just trying to tie out this franchise bring yeah. back the original mm-hmm. for the final installments but sure. I, w- I was glad to see him here and he's one of my favorite characters in mi1 one of my favorite scenes in the entire franchise is them at that like diner yeah. and he's like giving ethan like the enough is enough uh-huh. i just want to make sure you do it in hell scene yeah so it's cool to see him back love it either way moving on from what felt like the longest opening scene ever before the credits. Then we'd cut to my favorite scene in the entire movie, the airport scene. Holy cow, there are so many moving pieces here, but I love it. Just complete chaos for like 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have the list of everything that goes down, but if I miss anything, feel free okay. to just jump in. Because I'm sure I am. Because there were so many moving pieces. From the rip, Ethan is being hunted by everyone, but the CIA primarily right now. And they are like, they're locked in on the cameras trying to find his like a facial recognition. They get a match. They go running after Ethan. They catch the guy. It's not Ethan. Luther, behind the scenes, is like writing code mm-hmm. to like make everyone's face match Ethan Hunt's. So now he's a complete ghost in this airport. I thought that cerebral play was great. So now we have that element. 
Then, Ethan is now trying to retrieve a key from a buyer. Oh, wait, some random thief that becomes Haley Atwell has taken that key from the buyer. And now Tom Cruise has to retrieve the key from Haley Atwell. They bump into each other. He gets the key and then requests that Haley Atwell goes and re-pickpockets the key back into the buyer. But put oh pockets, no. as he says. <laughs> yes, put pocket. And there's the callback to him using magic like he does in MI1. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. Yeah. That was cool. Um, either way, she has to go put the key back in his pocket, but the buyer's already been killed by Mantis. Great. Okay. CIA is closing in on Ethan. Awesome Lauren Belf score. Now we need to get out of here. Um, but Grace um, is running away with the key. Meanwhile, um, Benji, on the side has to disarm a nuclear bomb without Ethan knowing, and him and Luther are bouncing back and forth trying to solve these riddles and answer questions given by the entity before this bomb blows up everyone. Um, Also, while Ethan is alone looking for Grace, he sees Del from Ozark, Gabriel, in his glasses, and he just disappears out of nowhere. What is going on here? There is so many just, so many pieces. Like, I was like, like biting my nails like like the perfect anxiety attack here this is yes by far the greatest scene in this movie arguably the greatest mission impossible scene of all time um for me it's up there with climbing the the blue is glue red is dead scene in ghost protocol and the um in the original one where he's like floating over the floor by the wires i love that scene i'm a sucker for it even though it's cliche cool yeah, I I love this scene, man. I'm so glad I didn't know that this was your favorite too. Oh, so great. dude, no, I I loved it. I think my favorite aspect of it was the Ethan seeing um, Gabriel and just vanishing before his eyes. I thought that aspect of it was so cool that the AI is just disguising him like in real time so that none of the cameras can see him. That was so cool, man. So. <laughs> You know, let's unpack this now since we're here. We're on Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So he's your Bobby Baba Yaga. Like yeah. he's he's the one that you fear. I, I'm really curious why he is the villain that stands out and not the AI to you. To me, the AI... Uh, we'll talk about the AI in a second. For now, I want to focus on Gabriel. I think he's a really cool villain and he has this reputation surrounding him, which I love. I, I'm such a sucker for just, like, getting thrown into a world where everybody knows this one person and they're, like, terrified of them. Um, <laughs> that said, That's fair. Gabriel, I don't think, is going to end up being a villain in part two. I think that Gabriel is actually after the same thing Ethan Hunt is after. I, I think they just haven't communicated it yet. Because, realistically, what do we see Gabriel do in this movie? I don't know. I mean, he's just trying to retrieve the key. Yeah, we see him trying to retrieve the key. We see him killing people who know things about the key or mm. where the key might be. I think that he is trying to take the key and kill the AI and make sure that nobody else can get to it. Interesting. Okay, I'm glad you brought this up because I, I wrote a question down in our notes. Like, the AI must have known that Ethan was going to get the key from Gabriel. Mm-hmm. So... There is a reason that the AI was okay with Ethan getting the key. So maybe it's trying to stop Gabriel, and it's put Ethan on this this 
uh, goose hunt for the key to prevent Gabriel. I, I don't know. Maybe he wants them to kill each other. I just think there's some sort of misdirection going on here. We obviously don't know all of Gabriel's past either with him killing... Who who did he kill that Ethan was attached to? You don't we don't know, right? We don't know. Okay. We don't know. And I really hope that they dive into that in part two because it's very half baked here. And mm-hmm. I think that was intentional. I trust Christopher McQuarrie at this point. He's a phenomenal script like writer. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that there's a reason for it. But um half baked in this movie. We don't Agreed. know what's going on. Agreed. But all that aside, you know, I, I like this take of Gabriel. I could totally see that happening, funny enough. But we'll see. We will see. Um, but the AI villain, my favorite villain in this movie, I think this thing is so scary for one of the reasons that you just mentioned. It's erasing Gabriel in real time, but you just see the power of this thing. It, it just feels real because we're living in this world where AI is slowly becoming stronger and stronger. Like one of like the big examples here is when Benji is after this nuclear bomb and they're talk like him and Luther are talking like, does the AI want me to go after this bag? Like, is yeah. it tricking me to go after this bag? Is it just a goose chase, like a goose hunt? And he goes to the bag and when he gets there, it's like packaged for him. The AI knew that he was going to go after this bomb and yeah. the questions are directed directly toward Benji. I thought that was super freaky, and the music like does something super eerie. Oh my god, is is Benji gonna die? Like, is 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 this the dead reckoning? Is this what what's happening right now? Yeah. Like, there was so much tension in the scene, and in this scene, I really felt the stakes. I really felt like this AI was a presence to be feared. I I, I love the take. Um, do you want to break down that AI character now, or do you want to wait till the end? Because I have a lot Let's- of thoughts. Let's let's just do it. I, I want to highlight a couple more things that that scared me with this thing. Okay. Like they're having a couple discussions where, you know, Elsa's character is talking about like, oh, she had to go to the desert, but that was all like communication she had like via like text and email. Like mm-hmm. you can't trust anything digital here. Like yeah. Tom Cruise running through, um, is it Rome? Yeah. Um, or, or Norway? I don't know. He's Italy. I don't know. Either way, he he's running through you know the city. And the AI takes over Benji, like replicates Benji's voice, and is now giving Tom Cruise the wrong directions. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like you can't. I wish that they utilized that more, but you just you can't trust the digital world right now. You have to just rely on you and your team, and go off the grid to beat this thing. I thought that was terrifying. You can't trust the CGI right now. You just have to trust TC to get up there and jump off a motorcycle on a cliff. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Uh, there was one more. Um, oh, like with the algorithm, they're in that. I, I will talk about this more when we get to the club scene, but Gabriel references how the algorithm is saying that two specific characters might die, and it ends up becoming true. And like when I was driving to work today, playing out scenarios like, oh, well, you know, if Grace ran this way, maybe. You know, another character wouldn't have died, but then, you know, Grace would have died and the algorithm would have been right either way. Like all the different computations, like (laughs) it's just so freaky that this computer does see the future. Gabriel does get the key on the Orient Express. Like it knows the story and how it ends. Exactly what Gabriel is saying. I think 
I, I can't believe that AI is the villain in this. It feels so topical. I can't believe that like they wrote this how long ago and like they're they're pretty much putting it out right at like the peak of chat GPT right now, you know? Right. Of course. Leave it to TC. I think pe- I think people have like a serious issue with this character. I don't get it. I think it is terrifying because I I do I do think that this this is something that could happen. I, I really is, do yeah. think it is. And the way that there's like a power grab for this AI to control the world and control the truth and control warheads and like that that is very real. Like uh, the Americans would do this. Like all yep. big countries would do this. Yeah. It's terrifying. It is. It is. Uh, I I don't know. I I kind of understand the crit- what are the criticisms you've seen of it because the one that jumps to my mind is that this thing is just too powerful like how why is it not interfering at times when it probably could have yeah I, I mean I've heard like convenient mm-hmm. like there's plot armor I've yeah. heard that it feels like this was written like very last minute um, like it was written into the plot which I don't see how they could have done i don't think that's true yeah yeah i don't i don't buy that i think that this just came out at the perfect time and they they guessed right yeah i i mean i guess so i how can you ever go wrong even if chat gpt didn't come out like how can you go wrong with an ai supervillain that's been a staple for 100 years right (laughs) sure I, i don't know i just think that this this war yeah it just works i don't know if it works five years ago i mean it clearly worked with like skynet but that was because there was a tangible villain in like hundreds of terminators i I think that something like this that can't be seen cannot be fought cannot be beat uh, like physically i don't think that works you know five ten years ago i don't think anyone buys the whole ai concept but now seeing it in real time in our real world growing evolving becoming something more yeah. I think it it just feels like an actual possibility. Yeah, no, I I agree, and I think that this is kind of TC trying to say something about <laughs> how Probably. we need to we need to put our trust in people, and we need to be less tech reliant and stuff like that. Yep. Um, which is obvious, and it's obvious he feels that way with some of the shit he does, but. I in general I liked it. I I thought it was a cool idea. I think it was executed fairly well. I agree. Here I mean the final reason as to why I love this character and love it love the AI as a villain with Solomon Lane. What I loved about him so much is that it felt like Ethan had met his match that at every turn Lane knew exactly what Hunt was going to do and was always 4 5 6 steps ahead mm-hmm. and I loved that that Hunt was always on the ropes, and I feel this AI is just a super-powered lane that just, it, it can best Ethan at any given point. Yeah, that's that's a fair take. Um, I, may, I mean, there's no doubting how dangerous this villain is, and I think that it does mostly work because, like you said, it's very topical. I, I don't... I don't know, though. I'd like to see how this ages, I guess. Like, I wonder if 10 years from now we're going to look back at this and say it was stupid. Mm -hmm. That is very possible. That is very possible. I hope not. I hope not, too. (laughs) I love it right now. So we'll we'll leave it at that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We've gone on a complete tangent here. 
you know, we can stay disciplined and keep chipping away at the scenes. I, I'm, I'm good with that if you are. Absolutely, yeah. So we're done with the airport scene. We're moving on. We're now in Rome. TC has um, saved Grace from whatever custody she was in, and they get in the cars, and they're being chased by Mantis and the CIA, and they're in, like, the bug, but they're handcuffed together, and TC's driving with one hand all over Rome, drifting around in this little car. They get smacked. Like, I feel like this scene went on for, like, 25 minutes, and I was just glued to the screen the entire time. I agree. Um, I have one complaint, and it's not even really a complaint. It's more of a comparison. The entire time I was watching this, all I could think about was the Chase and Bourne identity. And I think the Chase and Bourne identity did it slightly better. Hmm. Okay. I'm due for a Bourne identity rewatch. It's, it's been, so good. It's so good. It's been like 10 years. Yeah. I mean, that's one of my roommate's favorites. And if he likes a movie, it must be pretty fun to watch. So. Yeah. I, I'm due. I'm very due. We need to do like a Bourne trilogy pod. Uh, Even a Bourne quadrilogy i guess take out born legacy. legacy no take out born legacy but put in jason born okay good good take i'm good in take all right well we'll put that on the docket but either way man i i just really enjoyed this scene i thought that this was going to be the one that was going to be almost impossible to top from fallout i thought the motorcycle and truck scene from fallout was fantastic but they seem to double down on everything cruise on the bike then he's got to do like the standoff with the cia and the entity you know rogue assassins or whatever and then they get in a new car and then they're doing the drifting all over rome they switch cars they're handcuffed they have to keep switching drivers Mm -hmm. he's driving backwards through um, whatever tunnel that is they they hit the train tracks she cuffs him to the car there's just so much going on here it just felt like it was never ending my unanswerable question is how the fuck does he get out of the car with the steering wheel before the train hits? <laughs> I, I, there's, I, there's no way. There's no way. I mean, that, that thing was flying and it was yeah. right around the corner too, mm-hmm. but TC's God. So that that's kind of the, the easy explanation there. Yeah, I suppose his Scientology tears were high enough to give him a second chance. Yeah. You know what? I I will say here, um, the airport music that Lauren Ball was cooking up was phenomenal, but this was the scene where I it really clicked for me that he was just dialed in with the score in this movie. It was there a is score. a tra- the track going through this one is phenomenal and like the drums in the in the theme for this movie I thought were just fantastic. I mean I saw it in IMAX, so they were just Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. And the theme. Awesome. Yeah, cool. no, I, I, I loved the, the score. I thought it was great. And the only real, like, character moment here, aside from, like, okay, Hunt and Grace clearly have good chemistry here. Atwell's killing it. I'm really enjoying her. The only other thing here was this is when I was officially sold on Palm or like on Mantis here. Mm-hmm. And when she's like laughing and like smiling, you know, about to like pile drive this little like yellow bug yeah. or Fiat into the ground. She just plays a really good psycho. She does. No, I, I mean, I just loved her character in general. I thought she was maybe a highlight for or maybe the highlight for me. 
Whoa, of this movie. The yeah, highlight. I, I just had so much fun when she was on screen. I was like, oh, this is going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> she she was great. And you know what? We're in spoiler talk, so I'm fine bringing it up. How do you feel about her not dying at the end? Uh, you know, I'm mixed. Uh, I would have rather had her die. I thought she, Me too. her character served her purpose. You know. Me too. And I... We'll, we'll get to this because it's going to come up in one of my big gripes with the movie. But I feel it's setting up something that just feels manufactured, not earned. And yeah. we'll get to that later. Mm-hmm. So we're done with the car chase. The big notable scene here, unless I'm mis- missing something, is the club scene. This is and, the one that I was uh, that I missed. I was in the lobby for the sirens oh, for this. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so sorry because this is like the most De Palma scene. Really? For me, yeah, a lot of Dutch angles, but that's not what makes it a De Palma scene. This is the most tension building that happens. I guess I can set the scene for you, but all of the parties involved in this movie are here at this club. Grace is here to give Vanessa Kirby's character the key for a bunch of money, but she runs into Gabriel, and Gabriel's like, look, I know your story, and I know how how it ends. If you just sit and have a drink with me, we can talk about how we can change it. Then Ethan shows up, and then it's like, okay, well, we're all here. Um, Vanessa Kirby's character, like, piles everyone into, like, one room in the club, and Gabriel breaks down this thing where he says, look, you're in a tough spot here. Um, You have to give me the key, or, you know, you'll die. I'm, I'm sure I forgot, like, the exact explanation as to, like, why she would be screwed if she gave Ethan the key and not Gabriel, but... Mm-hmm. As he's explaining, like, look, the algorithm is saying that she's going to give me the key. You're, you're screwed, Ethan. And since you're screwed, um, this is going to lead to the death of one of these two girls in Grace or Elsa. You do not. You can't save both. You can choose right now if you want. But no matter what, I don't care if the key doesn't end up in my hands right now. It will end up in my hands at the Orient Express tomorrow, and one of these two will be dead. And there's just like a bunch of cutting face to face to face to face. Great acting from Vanessa Kirby. She's clearly torn because she wants to give Ethan the key, but she just can't. And she's like near tears. Great acting. Elsa's freaking out. Grace is petrified. She's like, what do you mean I'm going to die? Ethan is like pinned down by four dudes like in Gabriel's face. Like there is nowhere you or your God can run to. I will find you and I will kill you if anything happens to them. Gabriel walks away. Kirby agrees to give him the key, but um, Grace hid it in someone's pocket without them knowing. So no one knows where the key is. A huge fight breaks out. Elsa runs far away. Grace runs far away. Um, and Tom Cruise is chasing after Grace. How? Where did you come back to the theater? Right as Elsa's death. Oh, man. Okay, so... You miss the fight in like a tight alleyway between TC and Mantis. Yeah. Oh my God! Oh but my God! I oh my know. God. Is... I know what happened. So I looked up on Wikipedia and got the plot summary for what we missed because we were freaking out. Oh, I'm so sorry. This is, I think, one of my favorite like scenes in the movie too. So, like, he's he's you know he's kicking the shit out of guards trying to find Grace. The CIA is after him um he's got benji in his ear telling him like turn for turn where you need to go to to stop grace from getting killed by 
Gabriel, because now they're in a knife fight. Like, mm-hmm. fuck, Grace is going to die here. Yeah. Then the AI takes over and is chopping it up with TC, telling him where to turn, traps him in a gated tight area with two assassins, one of them being Pom Clementine's character. Mm-hmm. And he's just getting the shit kicked out of him by, like, metal pipes. And there's just this duke out, 2v1, while Grace is fighting Gabriel, getting the shit kicked out of her. And these two fights are happening simultaneously. Then Grace finally loses. Tom Cruise finally bests Mantis and company, but he spares her life. He gets over the fence, and he's doing his classic TC running. Yeah. Then it's Elsa versus Gabriel, and he hits her with, I was hoping you were the one. It's like, fuck. Elsa's about to die. I could not believe it. Wow. I could not, I cannot believe they did the fake-out death um, just to have her actually die. Yeah. And since we're here, I am. This is my only gripe with the movie, and I, I really kind of want to go on a tangent. I, I, it's a mixed bag with the whole death thing, but it definitely cut deep. Like my jaw dropped. This is one of my favorite characters. It really hurt seeing her die. Um, that said, I, one, they immediately transitioned to Atwell becoming a member of the team, but. It just, it never felt earned. Like, she didn't have enough screen time for me. She didn't have enough lines of dialogue. I felt like Atwell was just brought in to replace Rebecca Ferguson because they knew they were losing her to Dune Part 2. It just felt like, it just felt manufactured. It did not feel earned for me. That's an interesting take. Uh, That actually is probably correct, too, sadly. That's what's so frustrating, and that's what I was talking about with um, Pom Clementine's character is, do they have her live there because they're not sure if Atwell is the winning candidate to replace Elsa on the team? And TC wants a a badass woman character to fill that role, whoever it may be. I, I think they're in a tough spot here, and that's what's so frustrating. Like, It would have been more devastating. Yes, it crushed to see Elsa die, but it would have been even worse if they lost one of their core members of the team and they have to deal with that tc has to deal with that yeah uh yeah i don't know man i i thought elsa's death was good uh because you know me i'm always pro character's death to establish stakes yes i'm i'm glad she in the worst way i'm glad she died and i'm glad that something actually happened there were consequences yeah but it just it it just frustrated me that Atwell was in this movie just to, in my opinion, replace her. That's yeah, that's a fair frustration. I don't really have any argument against it. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, either way, they 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 breeze right over that. They indoctrinate Grace right into the team. She needs to get on the train and give Kittrich the key, but also get the key back. Um, and TC, uh, his mask burns up, and he's not able to get on the train with her. So this leads to... And that was also... I assumed that was, like, supposed to be the AI somehow, like, took the machine or something and fucked up. That's what I thought. CC's mask. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, so, yeah, either way, now he has to do the big motorcycle jump off a cliff scene that we've seen in all the trailers. And, wow. Just wow. Yes, 
I wish that they didn't show this stunt in the trailer. So I will ask, did you know that that was coming? It's all over the posters. I did, yeah. I I knew it was coming. And I also did hear a rumor that um, there was, like, the safety coordinator for this film did not want TC to do this stunt. He said it was too dangerous. So TC fired him and hired a new safety coordinator who would let him do this. Yeah. That must be, like, the new marketing shtick he does because that happened on ghost protocol when he wanted to scale the skyscraper he brought it to the stunt coordinator and he was like tom we cannot do this i'm sorry this is just not safe so we fired him and then got a new guy to approve it and that's how that came to be and that's why the franchise pivoted towards all these great action scenes yeah so i mean i god that scene was so awesome i figured i had already seen it given the trailers but it they show they they show so many different angles. They show him like free falling, yeah, like flying. How so how cool. did they do that? There was there was an awesome featurette that I refused to watch until afterwards. It was really cool how they did it. They said the cameras didn't even exist like up until like a year and a half, two years ago. Wow. So super cool that they pulled it off. I God, that scene was so cool. Like the build up, our theater like the IMAX speakers were just roaring the entire time. But yeah. when that scene like went silent, dude, you heard, you couldn't hear a single person. Like you could hear a pin drop in there while he's just like free falling. It was <laughs> so cool. Such a great action scene. You know um, what? You know, what's probably a terrible take. No oh boy. My favorite part of this scene was his entrance into the train because it took me by so much surprise. Like, I knew the motorcycle jump was coming, and I was all in on it. Like, I, my jaw was dropped. I was like, wow, like, this is beautiful. I can't believe they actually did this. But when he crashes through the train window, I was just dying laughing. I was like, there's no fucking way he is this cool. Like... <laughs> We'll get it done. I, I love that in every movie. He's like, we'll figure it out. Yeah. I'll get on the train. And here he is. You know what's so funny is he's done so many of his own stunts. I I don't I'm not sure if that's fake or not. Like, did he launch himself into the train? <laughs> that's all I could think too, is whether or not he real life Kool-Aid manned the <laughs> the train. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, he looked like frazzled like he it didn't feel like he was acting after he crashed through he looked so (laughs) frazzled he was like damn like i really just fucking did that you know (laughs) yeah that's a quick concussion no problem (laughs) yeah it's so cool man i but it's funny like you go straight from that scene to arguably the best action scene not my favorite but i think the best action set piece in the whole movie was the train scene mm-hmm. there's just so much going on here you know just to add to it you know they're using a real train they're fighting on this train while it's going 60 miles per hour yes they did that for real mm-hmm. that wasn't bs um so tc's got to fight gabriel on the top of the train and then he has to go back detach the train cars from the the train that's about to go off the bridge and then not only do that he needs to jump from car to car to car before they all fall off the, the tracks. Not There's only so jumping on from here. car to car to car, practically lifting uh, Haley Atwell's character up from car to car to car as well. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. When he's like on one side of the train car and the piano is about to come crashing down and she won't move. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, 
Get moving. For me, I like felt physical pain when he was holding on to the railing and he's holding oh. on to Haley Atwell and he's doing like the real life like Spider-Man pose of trying to like get her up. That was awesome. Uh, yeah. Leave it to TC being able to do that. No, his arm isn't going to rip off. <laughs> he, he, he can do it no problem. Yeah. But then is saved by by Mantis. Yeah. That was a cool moment. I she ended it. up the alg- the algorithm was right. She she saved TC after mm-hmm. he spared her life. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I, I I liked the redemption. I thought it was actually pretty well earned. I would have liked to see a little bit more of her, though. Kind of like doubting, you know. Yeah, similar I, to I the agree. way that there's those two IMF agents um, that. I can't... CIA. They're CIA. They're CIA? Okay. There's those two CIA agents that are, like, kind of... You can't really track whether they're doubting or not if they're, like, on the right side of this. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They're teetering back and forth, but I think they address it. You know, the one guy from Top Gun Maverick is talking, like, the, the cadet is basically saying, look, maybe he went rogue for all the right reasons all these times. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Uh, moment, and I just wish that Palm Clementine or Clementine would have had a opportunity to have a scene kind of like that. I guess. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. I'm with it. But either way, I, I enjoyed her her redemption. I'm glad they did that. The only kicker was I wish that she had died, and I know that you agree. Yeah. So, we've kind of touched on everything. You know, I I have a lot of these gripes. And like a little, like a couple nitpicks here and there, but that's besides the point, man. I thought this movie was phenomenal. Did you have any more like big takeaways before we we move forward? I had one more question, and that is, is Kittredge a good guy or a bad guy? Are you asking, like, do you need the actual answer for yeah. me? Because I can I can nerd out. Yeah. Yes. In short, yes. They he just has like a a wishy washy. Yes, you know he is what? a good guy, or yes, he's a bad. I just um, couldn't understand his motivation for being there and buying the key. Like okay, he is. Well, technically, he did have bad motivations for the key. He yeah. wanted to bring the power to the United States government. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, Maybe he is just kind of like an anti-hero because him and Hunt have this weird relationship. When he showed up and like turned around and said, and you saw it was him that was there to make the deal, I was like, holy shit, what? Like, that was a jaw-dropping moment for me. I did not see that coming at all. Mm. What about um, Princess Bride? admitting that it was the united states that sunk that ship and was using the ai and that's how it went rogue i thought it was interesting but also kind of stupid yeah i i i couldn't get by that i'm glad that he was immediately axed by gabriel and that plot thread went away almost immediately my roommate brought this up actually so the end of the movie starts going and it's showing the camera move towards the submarine at the bottom of the ocean you know that tom cruise is doing some deep water diving like they're gonna put him in the hole like the abyss metal suit and get oh, him yeah. down there oh you know yeah. the big joke was they're gonna send tc to space nah 
They're going to do something scarier. They're going to put him at the bottom of the fucking ocean. He's just going to be free diving too. No oxygen tank. He's just going to be like, I, I swear, I can hold my breath for 35 minutes. <laughs> I, I, tr- I trained for this scene my whole life. 14 years of, of breathing patterns. Do you think Tom Cruise is always on drugs? He might be. I don't care. Like, Whatever it takes. I feel like having a conversation, just any conversation with him, just asking, like, hey, how was your day? I feel like he would send me into a panic attack. <laughs> I, I've i been wired since 4 in the morning. I I did seven skydives this morning, and we, we worked with the team to work on my breathing just to get the timing right. He is He's one of one, man. He and is. And that's the reason this movie is as good as it is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so couple things from you as host i kind of want to do this a little differently um this this app that's coming out the, the blast app that we're developing is there there's a grade but also a flag for the experience so i want you to not only give me your letter grade for dead reckoning as a movie but i also want you to give me a letter grade for the dead reckoning experience and kind of give me both of those you know this is an interesting one and i've teetered on the letter grade, um, because I almost think that this movie is not a is not a movie that I want to give one. Um, I I think this is a movie that deserves an A plus for the experience and just no no rating for how good it actually is. Because we've sat here and we've talked about a lot of the things that we've found special and a lot of the things that we loved and also a lot of the gripes we've had. And I I think that people know like. I will say I like this movie quite a bit, and I really enjoyed going to see it. Obviously, it's an A plus experience, but I don't think I don't think I want to share a letter grade. I respect that a lot. I, for me, I'm the king of recency bias, and I know that given a few weeks, this will alter. But right now, as a movie, aside from a few nitpicks and like the the Elsa thing, I love this movie. So I would give the movie grade an A. I think it's pretty technically sound. I think the soundtrack is great. I think this is some of the better camera work in the franchise. It mixes all of the elements of the MI franchise that I love. So I'll give it an A for that reason. But the experience was damn near perfect. That's an A plus as well. So in a sense, this is just one of those perfect blast movies. It's one of those movies can be an experience movie. Absolutely it is. With that in mind, you know, we mentioned that this was the seventh in the franchise, and we've seen all of the movies, so I'm curious, what is your ranking of the seven movies? All right, uh, I want to preface this by saying it's been a bit since I've seen a lot of these movies. Um, This is not like a franchise I tend to just go back and rewatch the entire thing of. I, I find myself watching the original Mission Impossible the most, and... I, I don't know. I love De Palma's uh, just way with the camera. But at my number seven, I have Mission Impossible 3. Number six. JJ. Yeah, fuck JJ. Uh, number six, I have Mission Impossible 2. Those two are very forgettable for me, and I think they could be uh, swapped at any point in time. Uh, after that, at number five, I have Rogue Nation. Number four, I have Fallout. Number three, I have Ghost Protocol. Number two, I have the original Mission Impossible. And at my number one, I have Dead Reckoning. I love it. I love it, man. I knew you were going to really like this because you liked one. We talked about this before the pod, but yeah. I knew that you were a fan of that one. Right after I saw the movie, like, dude, 
the Palmas palms are all over this movie. I can I feel it. it. He's gonna like it. I love so, it. I'm, I'm glad to see it at the one. For me, I'll go. I'll also go bottom to top, starting at MI2. This is the one that everyone says they've watched, but they're lying. It's super forgettable. Like I, you watch it in bits and pieces. You never really dial in. It's not that. It's not that good. This is my hottest take. Ghost Protocol at second to last. I'm not saying that it's bad. I actually enjoy it. I like the rest of these movies here. I just I think this is one of the weaker villains and it's the least exciting of like the TC is the greatest action star of all time arc like uh era of these movies. And I would consider like four, five, six, and seven to be that era. I think this is the weakest of that four. Okay. So that's why it's this low. Okay. Then we have MI1. I think that some of the action, especially in the third act, is kind of aged pretty poorly, but everything else is just phenomenal. I, I think this is a great movie, and it's a great first entry. And then I have MI3, and I know that it's not... I don't think it's better than one, but I think it's more fun. I think there's a lot to like about this movie. It introduces Benji... It introduces uh, Ethan's wife, who pops up later in the franchise. I think it's an important element. I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is a compelling villain. At Always least, good. He, he, yeah, he, he's fantastic in the movie, and I think he he kind of backpacks in a sense. But I think this is actually Cruz's best performance as Ethan Hunt, and I think that's why I keep coming back to it as one of my favorites to rewatch. So that's where I have I have MI three at my four spot, at my three spot which used to be my number one once upon a time was Rogue Nation. I saw Rogue Nation, and that was the movie where I finally decided, you know what, I really like these movies. Rogue Nation is awesome. It's super cerebral. It's a, it's almost a slow burn. It takes its time. It introduces Elsa, but there's great action scenes to go with it. He hangs from a plane. There's a great scene at the opera house. They, they do the underwater scene. There's super cool stuff here, but the way Ethan bests Solomon Lane here with his mind there's a great scene at like a cafe where he memorizes every bank account and the only way lane can get the money is through ethan's mind because he destroyed the drive and he has all the leverage it's one of my favorite mission impossible scenes there's another great scene where they frame the prime minister and get him to admit for all of his faults and alec baldwin's in that scene it's it's just phenomenal i love yeah. rogue nation at my two spot i have dead reckoning Nice. I, I really, I really liked it, and it was a ton of fun. It, like I said, I can't, I can't speak much, much more about it. But it just blends all of my fa- favorite elements of all the other movies. I'll leave it at that. And then at my one spot, I think that Fallout is just, frankly, I think it's one of the greatest action movies of all time. It's airtight. The pacing's phenomenal. I think it has the best action scenes in the franchise. Like as a, as a collective whole, I think all of them as one unit is the best collection of action scenes in a single MI movie. And paired with that is one of my favorite, like emotional scenes. Uh, there's two of them where he reunites with his wife, that final scene where they talk and she says, I would have never been here if it weren't for you. And I'll always be able to go to sleep at night knowing that you're there to save the world. I just, I, I saw that at the perfect time. It warmed my heart then it still warms my heart now. And that's why Fallout's at my number one. That's I, I, I love the list. Something that I think is kind of special about Mission Impossible is I feel like 
pretty much everybody has a different list you know like nobody everybody likes this franchise for different reasons but in general everybody likes this franchise and i i think that's really cool that it can appeal to such a wide variety of people i i couldn't agree more i'm glad you brought that up that was my next point i've got another question for you though if part two is a banger and frankly i don't see a world where it isn't where does this rank as like one of the best franchises of all time i I think it's in the conversation for best it has what one maybe two misses yeah that's a tough question to put me on the spot for man so let, let me let me help then yeah i think that ghost protocol through dead reckoning part two will be the greatest action trilogy you know whatever four movie tandem of of all time i i think it's it's phenomenal it will be up there with lord of the rings but like look at star wars like there are so many stinkers in the franchise or the fans are so divided like Mm -hmm. i i think about something like that and then i think about mi where the fans have just like come together and they've they've grown with the franchise and, and love the new installments they they've honored the past and done it the right way and elevated and evolved into something bigger and better yeah Okay, I have I have two franchises that immediately come to mind as no-brainers for being better than this one. And one is just personal preference. One, I know you're going to disagree with, but I don't know if... Uh, I, I think it might be a bad take. Harry Potter. Which I, I know you're not a big fan of, but, I mean, if you revisit I get it, them... Yeah, I, it, it's... I think a masterwork of storytelling through eight movies. Um, and I, I'm just going to say it. I prefer the boring movies to this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I would need to revisit boring. It's, it's, it's legitimately been 10 years. I watched all of those like in middle school, aside from the Jason Bourne movie. I think that came out in like 2015, 16. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know either way one more one more last one last one that comes to mind rocky that's a good one rocky has never missed not once <laughs> ah rocky five is a stinker okay yeah fair, fair that's fair, okay fair. but but mi2 mi2 is kind of lousy so yeah. I'll, I'll give you rocky i like okay. that take and and harry potter ages with its its audience too so mm-hmm. i'm good with that okay but i, I think this is a, this is a great spot to wrap up the pod I do have one more question. I'm so sorry for cutting you off in the middle of the outro. No, you're good. My friend pulled me after this and said, this is the greatest movie I've seen in the last three years. That's like a terrible take, right? He just hasn't seen enough movies? Probably. (laughs) But I'm guessing, you know what? My roommate will tell you the same thing. I'm guessing it's on his top five movies of all time. Okay. Okay, just wanted to make <laughs> sure like, I'm not crazy. You're not crazy. I mean, I thought it was phenomenal. It will, it will be in my top three of the year probably, but not top three of the last, you know, three years. Yeah. I don't know. That's okay. crazy. Okay. Either way, man, um, I had a ton of fun recording this pod. I'm glad that you were able to, to buzzer beater this movie and survive a tornado to go see it. Um <laughs> The Mission Impossible movies have really grown on me over time and getting to Dead Reckoning Part 1 and just loving it as much as I did and getting to talk with it with you was just a great time. 
This is one of those movies that can be more. It's the perfect blast movie. It's the perfect movie can be an experience movie. And I'm glad we got to kind of walk through it. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And tune in next week.